and welcome to the next episode of the Good Stuff podcast from Buy From, where we talk to interesting people doing interesting things. And I'm really thrilled to be joined by Sean Ward today, who is the founder of Wardington's Original and the Master Distiller at Ludlow Gin. And there's lots of exciting things happening for Sean in his business. So it's a real pleasure. So Sean, thank you for joining us today. I know it's very, very busy. So I do appreciate you giving us some time to talk about what you're doing. So uh, as it's your third birthday, I know that there's lots going on. But before we get into all of that news and exciting uh, developments, perhaps you could start by just telling us a little bit about how Ludlow Gin came to be. Well, uh, Ludlow Gin was a kind of classic eureka moment uh, in 2018. Um, I'd worked in two contrasting careers that kind of collided together. I read music at university and worked as a professional musician, uh, organist, conductor, uh, choir trainer, harpsichordist, and ended up being organist of Ludlow after a long journey uh, via various places. And on my way, I, I retrained because organist work is quite short in these parts. My, my husband's organist of Hereford Cathedral, so we'd moved here 20 years ago. And I got an opportunity to retrain and become an architectural assistant. So um, I went back to university and became a historic building surveyor. And the job at Ludlow at St. Lawrence's Church enabled me to do the music and get involved in the building. So I ended up running a multi-million pound restoration of the building. Now, St. Lawrence's Church is smack bang in the centre of Ludlow. And uh, it's where all the tourists go to have a look at the amazing collections of stained glass and all those sorts of things. And of course, when the food festival was happening, uh, St. Lawrence's gets very busy because of the, the thousands of tourists that come through. They want to see the beautiful things that are the beautiful treasures of Ludlow. And so I, I was always in, kind of on the fringes of the food festival. I knew various people, Graham Kidd, one of the original founders. Uh, I was very closely involved. His son was a chorister of mine. And uh, Graham took me to the first, I think he stuck me in actually through the gates. He said, just, just walk behind me and uh, nobody, will, uh, nobody will ask any questions. And Graham had an amazing moustache. Maybe that's where the moustache came from, but he used to just twizzle his moustache all the time. So um, Graham took me into the food festival and I, uh, I remember it was the, the first year that um, Chase uh, had launched their vodka. And I remember the excitement of that because there were no regional distilleries. Uh, this would have been 20, you know, nearly, yeah, I mean, this was two, two, 2008. So where, where, where are we? 13, 14 years ago. There were no regional distilleries at all. It might, it might have been 2007. And um, I remember the back of the Land Rover, there was a Land Rover stand with these beautiful bottles and brown paper bags. And we were like, wow, they're in brown paper bags. You know, <laughs> it's, so, it's so artisan. Um, and I remember tasting this vodka and thinking, wow, I don't really like vodka. It had been really popular at university in that kind of 19, late 1990s craze. So I guess the seed was kind of sown then really in many ways. And, and, and I worked with lots of um got involved with lots of uh, food producers and various bits and bobs and then um i kind of did my time in in, in the church of england with buildings and, and music and was looking to do something else we uh i dabbled with a few other things we were on holiday uh i'd been following a gin distiller on instagram back in the kind of birth of instagram with all the beautiful images he was called rupert conquer gin down in dorset and he was a surveyor and there so i was watching him get his still 
make his gin, uh, experiment with botanicals, sell his car to start the company and all those sorts of things. And he was really good at just, you know, putting his story online. And I, I, I guess I just thought, hmm, I could do that. That'd be interesting, wouldn't it? Went for a run, which I've just been for now. Uh, as you well know, Louise, because I'm post-run, we are both runners. Uh, I went for a run uh, to clear my head. It was New Year's, it was New Year's holiday, and I ran past a gin story, and the light bulb came on instantly, just like that, and thought, oh my God, nobody's made Ludlow gin. How do I make gin? So I, I got back and, and said to Peter, what do I, I think I've got an amazing idea to make gin, and um, ordered a load of books on Amazon, sat at the computer doing a load of research, and wrote a letter to Rupert. And Rupert very kindly replied uh, and he answered, I think I, I sent him about a dozen pertinent questions and that set me on my way. Um, two months later, my license had arrived, my still had arrived and the first gin was distilled in my kitchen at home. So very exciting. And then that, that would have been February 2018. And then we were just on a race to launch. So it was the countdown to September 2018 Ludlow Festival. And I still remember writing, it's just little things like writing the check for the stand. It was one of the, you know, the biggest amounts of money I'd spent on this project at that point. But just getting myself to Ludlow Festival, everything that needed to be done, all the bottles that need to be purchased, all the labels, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah, Ludlow Festival has been at the heart of the story of Ludlow Gin. That's fantastic. I love the fact, I think there's a really nice story at the beginning of that, isn't it, that I think kind of would resonate with you, which is Rupert's role in just support, because you're really good at networking, aren't you? The power of collaboration and networking and sharing resource and ideas. And, and it's lovely that actually you're, the start of the journey can you know was triggered by somebody offering you that same kind of level of insight because it's so important isn't it for small businesses and startup businesses to to work together and to and to and to to share ideas and to share share knowledge really yeah and I think you know working together in a meaningful way it's a kind of old-fashioned art really and I remember um I mean you know something of my story of my upbringing my my, my father died when I was only one my mum was widowed after a long marriage, um, they, they, they had me just before he died. And mum was on her own, not a lot of money, and had to go, had to, you know, she had a job on, she had to fend for herself. So she had never, never, no less than three jobs. It was incredible, really. But she always knew people and she was always connecting with people. And, all, and those people were always really happy to help her on her journey. And, her, and that's just a kind of skill I learned at her knee, if you like, really. Um, it's just, just making sure you're talking to people, knowing people. And generally, you know, there are some really lovely people out there. I mean, last night, a great experience of um, I urgently needed a forklift truck. Uh, and everything had been arranged. And the arrangements had all gone out the window because of the transport problems at the moment. And I phoned lovely Len round the corner who runs uh, Lempster Forklift Services. And he's like, no problem, Sean, I'll be around in five minutes. And yeah, it was like the cavalry coming around the corner. He drove around in his van, one of his lads in a forklift shop. And they're like, it's no problem. Because Len knows that we are so grateful and we will we will repay him by telling everybody about how good he was yeah that's and brilliant it's that it's it's you know this new phrase that people use these days paying forward but actually that's how business used to be done 
you know, people just help themselves, helped each other as, as a kind of, you know, fraternity. And sometimes we've kind of lost that art, really. So we're quite we're quite lucky in Ludlow. There are some really, really good folk who are aware, who are prepared just to kind of, you know, roll their sleeves up and think, OK, well, I, I might not get the full fee that I want at this point to get involved with you. But actually, do you know what? I want to be on this journey and I, I want to help. And yeah. So it can be photographers, it can be food writers, it could be, you know, cardboard box manufacturers, it can be Lenin, his wonderful forklift. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you really must get some kind of fireworks when he arrives. Like, <laughs> yeah. Some Carmina uh, Barana, some powerful music to play him. In I, think, I think that's fascinating. I mean, I'm surrounded with, I'm just in my little office at home and I've got, you know, uh, the Financial Times Guide to Business Startup and all that sort of thing. And the it's all great you can read all the books but at the end of the day we thought we're all trying to do it and you just kind of kind of yeah it's really interesting meeting those wonderful people who are on the journey with you yeah and who are prepared to you know kind of just yeah say okay I'll take a punt and I'll do this yeah that's great so for those who don't know anything about the kind of the distilling process and what what that takes I think that it would be really nice to get a bit of insight into the process without giving away your trade secrets obviously and in so doing kind of understand how you set about mastering that process because I think the word master in this for me in terms of what I've experienced in the time that we've worked together is seeing the importance of the quality that premium gin that you product that you're seeking to produce the care and the love that you put into the process I think it would be really good at this point to perhaps explain a little bit about that if that's okay yeah absolutely and I I think there's a lot of mystery about the art of distilling it's quite interesting we were listening you and I were listening to a colleague distiller on Sunday morning on the radio and it's very fascinating just listening to the prelim the interviewer building up to that, the, the kind of mysterious art of the distiller. I guess dis- distilling really starts in kind of back rooms of Moorish alchemists. So it is a bit like the Game of Thrones, basically. You know, people with a bit of, you just take a bit of heat, a bit of sugary um, alcoholic substance, wine, beer. You apply that heat and in a sealed vessel, you apply cold to the end of the out put of that and suddenly what is a solid becomes a gas and becomes a solid again it's as simple as that and that that you're I mean along the way you've got some other nasty solids you've got to be careful of that come out uh methanol and all sorts of other things that can make you go blind but effectively <laughs> that's that's what it is and this these 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 stills are called alambic stills it's an arabic word they are no different from the stills the stills that we use to distill ludlow gin are exactly the same as the Moors were using in kind of, you know, uh, North Africa, Southern Spain, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and and they're, that's where we buy them from. The, the copper craft still thrives in Portugal and Spain. So, and they've got these wonderful kind of onion-shaped domes, just, just like the, the Moorish architecture. So there's all sorts of interesting things going on there. It's as simple as that. We put, we're really committed at Ludlow Gin to, to putting the finest ingredients into that still. Patience uh, is a big thing. So we, we put all our ingredients into the still. We warm it up gently. We leave it to seep. Uh, we then distill the next day. And it's a slow process for us distilling. We're not trying to rush. We're trying to encourage the oils out of the botanicals. And then uh, we only keep the heart of the distillation. So we, we lose the, the front part of the distillation, four shorts, and we lose the tails, the heads and the tails, the heads at the beginning, the tails at the end. So it's just the heart in the middle. And then the only thing that we add to it afterwards 
is uh, purified water. And that's called the London dry process. So the London dry process was all about quality. It's not about taste profile at all. It's not about the, the gin being dry. And I'll just explain that in a moment. It's all about quality and making sure that the gin is high quality because there was so much poor quality gin in London. So gin in London in the 18th century was quite sweet. and They used to add sugar to it to mask all the nasty stuff in it. And they often drank it with milk and cream, actually. So it's amazing how the industry changes across across the years. But that's the in a, in a nutshell, that's the art of it. That's the art of gin making. And, and this year we've just expanded. We we've taken over a colleague's distillery um, where we we're learning or we've learned the art of distilling whiskey, uh, which is obviously taking barley, making a high strength almost wine because it's nine percent uh, barley wine uh, and then uh, distilling the alcohol out of that which gives you whiskey but we also can we can do all sorts of things if it's if it's got sugar in it we can we can distill it so dams and slows pears grapes apples the world is our oyster that's great what's the significance of the the copper distilled you know, we talk about copper distilling and it's, yeah. a, it's a feature, it's something to be proud of in terms of the process. Yeah. Why is the copper distilling element of it? Well, I guess it's kind of accidental. Do you ever have those moments, you know, we're kind of high functioning individuals when you wake up in the night and you think, hmm, how was cheese invented? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love cheese. <laughs> Don't you just think that's a miracle? Who just kind of left their the curds away? All the time, yeah. You left the curds out and just thought, mmm, smelly, lovely. <laughs> you know, what's extra protein? Um, I don't know. I mean, it's accident, basically. So copper, obviously, is a great conductor of heat. So I guess principally, still started being made out of copper because it was easy to knock into shape to conduct heat because they were making cooking utensils out of this. And what they discovered is that the interaction of the uh, the alcohols and the wines in their still made the product smoother and got rid of the what what we could describe as the eggy smell, the sulphur, and it gets rid of it in a natural way. The interaction of the alcohols with the copper. So that is it. It's I guess it's an accident of sorts, and it's become the key point of quality distilling these days. You can get stainless steel stills. You can get all sorts of different. Um, stills at some point they will try and introduce an interaction with copper even if the spirit's passing through springs because copper springs are, are tiny and have a big surface area but in our opinion you need a copper still yeah that's great well you've kind of touched on it when you were speaking about the whiskey so i think it's probably apt now to talk about the exciting developments that are happening for you right now so for those who don't know ludlow gin is part of the wardington's original brand uh, which is expanding rapidly and i have had the enormous privilege of being part of that journey so perhaps you could you tell us a little bit more about the premium handcrafted spirits that are being launched at ludlow food festival next weekend yep so um we our, our gin journey started three years ago our whiskey journey i mean you know i love a good story our whiskey journey like the gin started many years ago i visited my first whiskey distillery almost 20 you know more than 20 years ago 22 years ago highland park in the orkneys and I stood next to the fire where the, where the malt was being uh, peated and got that first-hand experience and was, was just amazed by the process of, of whiskey distilling, the real alchemy, the flavours, laying down those casks for years and years and years. 
And so it's always been in the back of the mind. Uh, we'd started gin. We were thinking, oh, wouldn't it be fun to make whiskey? It's a whole different ball game, and it takes a long time to acquire the art, to learn the art, to lay down the spirit. And um, a colleague uh, distiller not so far from us who started at the same time, launched his whiskey at the same time to us, we reached out to him and, and, and after a very short conversation, he was looking to uh, retire and pass the business on. And, and very quickly, we've, we've got into that. That's become a reality. I mean, literally last year, I sat in the braise of Glenlivet where, on holiday where there had been 200 illicit stills and thought, wouldn't it be fun to make whiskey? And a year later, I returned there with uh, our first bottle of whiskey, which we'd made, which is just crazy. Fantastic. Yeah, it's um, it's exciting times. We've worked with a local brewer to perfect our art of brewing that that strong beer that we need first of all to make the make the whiskey work. Um, we're bringing uh, we're interesting. We're the smallest uh, whiskey distillery in the country, and we're interesting because we're using Scottish malt. Uh, and a lot of English distillers use English malt. So that makes us quite unique. It's very exciting. Uh, the malt comes down from Aberdeenshire and a part of our malt has been peated with Aberdeenshire peat. So, yeah, it's quite exciting. We took our product to Scotland and we fooled a load of Scots <laughs> who, thought, who thought our whiskey was great. So, yeah, exciting stuff. And uh, so that's some... Um, that will come out, our whiskey will come out in October. Uh, it's the patient gain. It all takes time and it's going to be very limited in numbers in this first three years. Brilliant. And you've got some other products that will be arriving. So natural, natural bedfellows to all of these things. We've made a botanical vodka. So it's the same process as making gin, except we just don't have juniper in it. We have other botanicals. So that's quite exciting. Our, our number one classic vodka with apple, oak, Buddha's hand, all sorts of exciting botanicals. Number two, a marmalade vodka. And number three, triple chili vodka. The smells in the distillery are insane at the moment. Very exciting. And then we are importing some single estate rum from the Caribbean. Again, we're all about quality. Making rum is a whole different art and culture. Uh, and that's not something that we can do overnight. And we thought, hang on a minute, let's let's work with some great people. So we've it, we've found an amazing distiller in the Caribbean and we've imported single estate rum. Very exciting. Very, very exciting. So exciting. <laughs> so there's a whole range of exciting drinks for people to come and enjoy. So Ludlow Food Festival is next weekend. So 10th to the 12th of September. You're celebrating your third birthday by being the headline sponsor for the event. I think what a journey that indicates to you and your team, really, to have be celebrating your third birthday in such a way. I think you've touched on it, but maybe just quickly reflect again about the importance of Ludlow Food Festival to you personally and as a brand. Yeah, I think, you know, keep, keeping local has been it's been really important to us. And we're very lucky. We've got a big local region, Herefordshire, Shropshire, Powys, Worcestershire. So our, our two big main festivals that we support and we work with, Ludlow Food Festival and the Malvern Shows, are really important. And this month we'll be at both. We'll be headlining both. Uh, and we can't wait. We're going to see 80,000 people. It's insane after the, the couple of years. 80,000 people in two weeks. I mean, it's just incredible. It's amazing after the couple of years we've experienced. So it's really important to us to have that opportunity to be with people, talk with them uh, and sing our song. That's great. And Malvern's at the end of the month, isn't it? 24th Malvern's at the, the end of the month. It's over three days. It's the last weekend of September. 
and Ludlow is the 10th, 11th, 12th. And what can people expect from Wardington's at the Food Festival? So at both events, there will be a retail stand and a bar. So you can buy uh, Wardington's and you can drink Wardington's. Uh, And there will be other things going on. Ludlow Food Festival, we've got gin tastings and wine tastings. And there is is the retail bar and there is uh, a gin palace. So lots and lots of activity going on. At Malvern, there will be a retail stand and a bar. And at both events, we'll be distributing our amazing newspaper, The Gindependent. <laughs> so not only do we make fine liqueurs, we are editors of uh, amazing newspapers. Uh, the team, your team, our team, all together have collaborated and made this incredible newspaper, which is full is a treasure trove of uh, literature, uh, including Mystic Finn's Star Signs, uh, <laughs> Bear Scale, uh, What to Eat, Where to Be, uh, and all sorts of exciting things. So yeah, that's exciting. I'm really, I'm really so excited that that's going to happen. I think it's a it's a really special way to come back to events, isn't it? Because all businesses, really, unless you uh, make masks, probably, uh, you know, the pandemic was. Um, and I don't want to dwell too much on this because you've you've done so brilliantly and navigated. But, you know, it's it's there for everybody who will be at the festival. You know, we're all coming through the end of a of a very difficult kind of 18 months. Just how would you kind of reflect back on that in terms of learning or things that you're kind of really proud of with, you know, how you've kind of traversed that very challenging path? I think working for, I often joke about this, selling God for 20 years, it's really easy to sell gin. Um, the thing about working for the Church of England is you're, you're, I wasn't necessarily promoting faith. I just wanted people to engage with the, the heritage, the architecture, the music. And, you know, St. Lawrence stands at the middle of the community and the community come for weddings and funerals and all those sorts of things. But then they don't really know much about this amazing building. The tourists do because they come to see it. So... It was an interesting, it was a really interesting lesson for me. Um, if you go out and tell your story to people visually through Instagram, social media, uh, in print through leaflets, newspapers, um, people will come, people will engage with you. So I'll just give you a very passing quick little, uh, when, I, when I first went to Ludlow, the first carol service I took, like the classic thing that everybody wants to go to, uh, only 150 people came. And I couldn't believe it. I came out with the choir that worked really hard. The next year, we put an invitation through everybody's door in Ludlow saying, this is what we're doing. Come 700 people came. And the queue was down the street. And I can remember the volunteers faces. They couldn't believe it because all you've got to do is tell people what you're doing, tell them what you're passionate about. And so really, that's that's really what we did during lockdown. We just thought, okay. We could be really sad about this. We could get our box of Kleenex out. We could feel really sorry for ourselves. Or we could get out there and tell people what we're doing and how much fun we have. And people joined us on that journey uh, every Saturday night. They joined us on uh, Cocktails and Conversation, which is like kind of Fanny and Johnny Craddock, me and my husband uh, making cocktails, <laughs> bickering. And people followed us through that journey. They ordered from us directly. And it was just, it's about seizing those opportunities. Absolutely. And I think that's a really positive message because I think the things that the things that have come across just from our conversation now is the importance of relationships, the importance of sharing information and collaborating 
uh, the importance of mastering your craft and taking time to do so, the importance of telling your story and bringing people on that journey with you. And, and that's, I think, something that really stands uh, Wardington's out and stands Ludlow Gin out. So very exciting to see how things are developing. And I hope people um, have enjoyed hearing your story. As you know, we could probably sit and talk for the next four hours, Sean, um, <laughs> as often happens, but we do have to call it um, a day. Is any kind of final messages you would like to give? Well, uh, gosh, that's an interesting one, isn't it? It's thought for the day. Um... I don't know. It's. It, I think it's. You know, we often talk of in, in our in our offline conversations, as it were, Louise, Louise, about just living in that moment. And it is really hard in this world to live in that moment and just to be grateful for everything you've got and to find those opportunities. So that's it. Live in the moment, boys and girls. <laughs> that's great. Thanks so much, Sean.